does preach this morning, I want to continue on in the sermon series, Back to the Basics, Back to the Basics. And my title this morning is, I Want My Life Back. I Want My Life Back. Now, we could go a lot of different directions with that title, couldn't we? I could think of maybe a young mother who has two or three young children, and it's a very busy time in her life, and she could say, I want my life back right? Or maybe her husband might say, I want my wife back, (laughs) but I want my life back. What are you talking about, pastor? Well, we have lived in and we do live in very interesting times right now, don't we? From COVID to carnality to even what I would call an anti-Christ spirit that has swept across our world. I want my life back. If we were to go back 10 years ago and we would have looked into the future today, would we have expected life to be like it is right now? Even five years ago, even just a couple of years ago, but it seems that there has been an accelerated change that has come to our society, come to our country specifically, even to the Commonwealth of Virginia. I look at the damage that has been done in our state just over the last few years even unbiblical things that are happening and being legislated and being mandated, even from the governor's office. I want my life back. We look back to what we call the good old days, and those weren't so bad after all, were they? We have lived through a time of COVID, a time of isolation, a time that I believe the enemy The devil, Satan, we must recognize there is an enemy. There is a real enemy. His name is Satan. There's real influences of evil that are in the world today that are trying to destroy each and every one of us and trying to destroy the future generations. But I believe that the enemy has set back and has loved some of the things that have has happened during COVID. What do you mean? Well, I mean this. One is isolation. We went through so much isolation, and even at some level, we are still isolated and separated. Do you know the enemy wants nothing more than to isolate us from each other, from our families, from our church families, from our friends? The enemy thrives upon our isolation, and let me encourage you this morning, don't let the enemy isolate you, whether it's because of COVID or whether it's because of a misunderstanding, or whatever it might be, work through it and stay together. That'd be a good place to say amen right there. The enemy wants to isolate us. COVID has put distance between us. We've had new terms like social distancing. When God is a God of coming together, God is a God that wants us to be together and love each other and hug necks and shake hands. The enemy has used this time to pull us apart. COVID has had so many effects that we really don't know the long-term effect right now. Amen? We don't really know. I heard a pastor or an evangelist this past week use the term post- COVID traumatic stress disorder. What does that mean? I I don't know. I wrote that down. I want to think about that term myself. I want to pray about that a little bit myself. And I even thought maybe there are some messages there that we ought to look at in in a few weeks. I don't know. But what is all this going to mean? All of this isolation, 
that our young people have experienced. Some children who have not walked into schools in a long time. Some children who have been in homes away from everyone from a long time. What's that gonna mean in their lives? Some of our older folks who have been secluded from their families for so long. And then not to mention the economic toll of COVID-19. When our government has passed billions with a B upon billions of dollars, even trillions with a T upon trillions of dollars of, of relief packages that have now probably exceeded what a normal budget year would even have been. And I ask us today, who's gonna pay for all of those things and how are we going to pay for all of those things? We live in interesting times. We live in times where we wonder what the future is gonna hold. And then we've, we've dealt with covid we're dealing with COVID. We feel like we're coming out of COVID, and I hope that we are. We don't know yet. We're not sure, really. We don't know the long-term effects of all, of all of that, and I could just continue down a laundry list and just depress all of us really good today, couldn't I? But in the midst, then, of all of that, it is as if the enemy has unleashed an, an attack upon the very morals and fabric of our society. As we have been talking about, he has for years attacked the concept and the doctrine, the theology of creation. But now he has moved from attacking just creation to attacking the literal created beings of you and I. And now things that were considered right, things that were considered foundational and basic principles of life and society are now being called wrong, are now being undermined and changed almost seemingly on a whim. And if we don't go along with that agenda, then we are ostracized and we are called haters and intolerant. And now more than ever, as the people of God, we need to know the word of God. Now more than ever, as the people of God, we need to be able to articulate the gospel and articulate the understanding of the word of God. There is an attack on the very morality of our nation and upon our society, upon what families are and should be, upon what basic gender is and what it should be. In conservative Pulaski County, Southwest Virginia, you can probably go online and read about it. There is a big debate right now about male and female and in relation to what should happen in the schools. And if we think that that is going to stay away from us, we are mistaken. If we think that there's not gonna come a time here in Albemarle and Greene County where as churches and as leaders and as Christians, we're going to have to decide are we gonna take a stand or not, it's coming. It's coming. Are we ready? Do we have the resolve to stand upon the word of God? Do we have the resolve to stand and say, we don't want our children destroyed by the liberal agenda that is permeating our world today? Amen? We don't want our children being taught that there are so many different genders. When God said clearly in, Gen in Genesis, male and female, he created them, amen? God help us today, our world 
is in a mess. There is an accelerated attack on morality and righteousness. It has come about by the proud and the confused. The word pride, proud, rebellion, rebellion towards God, rebellion towards God's word, rebellious attitude that says, I will do what I want to do. A rebellious attitude that says, I'll believe whatever parts of the scripture I decide, but what is not relevant anymore, I will reject. There is a rebellious spirit in our world today, a prideful spirit. And no wonder we hear that word pride so often. It is the basis of sin. Go back and look and read when Adam and Eve fell and look at the basics of what sin is. And one of the basics of sin is the pride of life. Sin isn't anything to be proud of. Can I say that again? Sin isn't anything to be proud of. Can I say that as someone who has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? as we all have, right? Sin isn't anything to be proud of. Sin destroys. And what is happening in our world right now, the proud, those who are proud and have pride in their sin are destroying the confused. The confused. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about, let me just share a story that that a friend told me the other night of a young lady who was exploring an alternative lifestyle and had gone to Lee University. Do you know Lee University is our church university? Exploring an alternative lifestyle and her grandmother was heartbroken and asked to meet with her and she came and sat down with her and talked to her. And of course, now that's the approach we need to be taking in reaching the lost, amen? Not blasting them, not ostracizing them, but, but in love, reaching out to them, sitting down with them, talking to them. And that's what she did. She did it the right way. The young lady who went to Lee University, our denomination's university, looked at her grandmother and said, well, I just didn't realize that there was anything wrong with this. I just didn't know that it was wrong to pursue an alternative Lifestyle, me being a female and having a girlfriend, another female as my partner, I didn't realize it was wrong. Now, I don't know if she was being naive. I don't know if she was being deceitful. I don't know. I don't know the young lady, but it speaks to a lot of folks today. There is a lot of confusion in our world. And we have a generation, if not generations plural, who have not been taught the word of God. And so we might look at them and scratch our heads. We may look at them and say, well, why are they making choices that they are making? Why do they seem to be in rebellion when perhaps we need to look and say, have we as the church and as families in the church, have we taught them? Have we instructed them? Have we shown them what God's word says? We are one generation away from possible chaos. We are one generation away from possible total rebellion against God. I want my life back. 
I thought about it the other day. Can I just be transparent with you a little bit this morning? Don't tell the 11 o'clock crowd. We'll just share this secret together here. (laughs) But I thought about it a few days ago, and I thought of the challenges that we are going to face as a church and as Christians if if we truly decide to stand on the word of God. And I thought, you know, boy, I wish I could just go back in time to about the 1980s and I could be a pastor in the 1980s when everything was just gelling and the Christians had the platform. Now, we blew it. We blew it back then. But we had a platform then and we had influence then. We had respect then. We controlled the airwaves in a lot of ways. Big, big, big ministries that were going across the television and reaching thousands and thousands and, the, and people respected pastors and churches and the word of God. And I thought, wow. As a pastor, I thought, man, I would love to go back to that heyday. I would love to go back to the 1980s or the 1970s. But can I tell you, our reality is we are living in 2021. And we are living, let me say it this way, in a time that has gone from COVID to carnality to even an antichrist spirit that has permeated the land You say anything about God, you're okay, but you say the name of Christ, you're in hot water. You can go on television, the news, whatever, and you can say God, you can say a higher power, all of those things, but if you start mentioning the name of Christ, there becomes a problem, there becomes an issue. Why? Because there is an antichrist spirit that is at working in this world today. And read the epistles of Paul. Read some of the things that Paul wrote about that would happen in the last days, and we're there. We are there. And more and more people are despising Christians. And we say, Pastor, could persecution come to the United States of America? Could we end up being like a place like China or, or somewhere? You know, it's, it's pretty easy now to start seeing the domino effects of things that could lead to that. You say, Pastor, you are so encouraging this morning at nine o'clock. But you know, one of my jobs is to define reality. And I hope that I can define reality and I'm just skimming the surface this morning. I want my life back. So let me try to be a little more positive now that I have, have, have taken the air out of the room this morning. And, and let's just look and see. And let me just say right here, and for, first and foremost, God will always have a people. God will always have a people who will not compromise the word of God. And God will always take care of his people. I've said it before, I'll say it again, it fits well right now. We, we sell the Roman Empire, we've seen other empires that have tried to kill and destroy and wipe out all of the Christians. Where are they today? But Christ and his church still stands. God will always have a people. Look with me, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have this ministry, As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Look at your neighbor and say, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. 
but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. You might feel like this. I said I want my life back, but you may feel this way. When we look at all of what I just described, and I have a next slide that says it, we've created a monster. Now, when I say we've created a monster, I'm not necessarily saying you and I have created a monster. But this society has, in a sense, created a monster from New York City to D.C. to Hollywood. And I do ask us this question this morning. If there are areas in our lives or areas in our family where honestly and objectively we have to step back and we have to say, you know what, God, I I failed to do something here or I did a wrong thing there and it has created a monster of sense. It has created a scenario in my life or my family's life that's not ideal, that's not the best. Then we say, God, help me, help me, help me to rectify, help me to be who I need to be, but society as a whole has created a monster. We see it all over social media, and if we aren't careful, we are more influenced by social media than by God's word. If we aren't careful, we spend more time reading and examining social media than we do studying and renewing our minds and our hearts in God's word. And more and more today, we're gonna have to tune out what's happening around us at some, yes, be informed, don't get me wrong, but tune out and tune into God's word. Can I say that again? Tune out the distractions and tune into God's word. How are we gonna not lose heart by renewing our hearts and renewing our minds in God's word? I find that when I spend time watching TV news or listening to to Sirius XM news or reading news on social media, my outlook diminishes, but I find when I spend time in God's word, when I spend time with God's people, my attitude uplifts, the Holy Spirit uplifts and encourages me, and it's no wonder that Paul said, as we see the day approaching, the day of the coming of the Lord, we need to assemble ourselves together more and more often, not less, but more often, and we need the renewal that comes from God and from God's people We have seen social media influence, but we've also seen a secular education influence. God was taken out of our schools now many decades ago, and we see what has happened. And sometimes we say, God, why do these tragedies happen? Why are our children so confused? Why? But we have lost a Christian worldview. We have lost a Christian worldview. Go back to the 1980s that I was wanting to go back to, the 70s, the 60s. Everybody wasn't living right, but there was a prevailing Christian worldview. And people would tell you, no, I don't go to church, I know I need to. No, I'm not serving the Lord, but I know I need to. People understood the basic Christian principles, even if they weren't following them. But now we have lost all. Now we have lost all that. We're living with now generations who were not raised in Sunday school or church or a godly home. They don't know any 
better, and school systems are not teaching any kind of Christian values, and so we have lost our Christian world view. And now we try to solve our problems by the government and by our schools and by man-made institutions, none of which God or the working of the Holy Spirit are allowed to be in. And we have no Christ, no hope, no comfort. Tragedies happen in our community and the schools try to bring comfort. And I know doing good deeds, I'm not criticizing, but can I tell you, we need the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit has not been allowed to be part of the governmental institutions of our land. And so with all of this, no no God in the home, no God in the school. Sadly, even no God in the church in some regards, right? We have young people now who have no identity. They're confused. And it's no wonder that they're embracing things that are not biblical. Look at with me 2 Corinthians 4, 3. And four, here's what we can do though. But even if our gospel is veiled, even if it's hidden, it is hidden from those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who, not, who do not believe, least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. We need to shine the light Some of you guys work in institutions where God is not allowed, but you know God, right? You have the light shining in you, right? And in Matthew, Jesus said, a city that is set up on a hill cannot be hidden. I remember that question being asked when we were going through teacher education programs and a question being asked about God is not allowed in the schools and you're a Christian and how are you gonna reconcile that? And and the answer to that is in that, that passage where Jesus said a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. What's that mean? You and I can be the light of the world right where we are and right where we work. And yes, we may not be able to preach to them, but we can live Christ before them, amen? And now more than ever as the church, we've got to get out of these four walls and into those institutions and into those places where God has been pushed out and we can make a difference even if it is with just a few. Can I get an amen this morning? The light of the gospel. And I thought about a flashlight. Isn't that the most pitiful looking little flashlight you've ever seen in your life? I thought about it last night when I was studying some more for this sermon and trying to to get it all together and figure it out, and I thought, you know, a flashlight would be a good prop. Now, you know I'm not a very good prop prop kind of person, mainly because I move my hands around so much, I, I feel like I'll knock something over, and then some of you all would laugh at me. Some of you would feel sorry for me, and some of you would laugh at me. I'm not gonna say who's who, but I know, I know. But I thought about a flashlight. And then you know what I thought? I thought, this was last night. I was over here up in the office study and I thought, hmm, I don't know where a flashlight is. I thought, well, Donna will know. She'll know where a flashlight is. Surely, I'm like, surely we have a flashlight at home. She'll, she'll know where a, where a flashlight is. Then I thought about here at church and I thought, hmm, there's, got, there's probably a flashlight here at church somewhere. And I thought, well, Amy probably know where it is. <laughs> Or Pastor Daryl, he might know where it is. So I thought about texting somebody and I thought, no, Donna, she'll know there'll be a flashlight at home 
So this morning before I left, I, I asked her for a flashlight. She said, oh, yeah, well, we, yeah, we probably have one somewhere. And I went in the bedroom and, nah, well, there's one in my car in that little thingy between the seats. She said, the console? Yeah, the console. And, and so I went out to the car and I opened it up and I got down and, and I dug through a lot of stuff and it was down in the bottom. Here it was, this big, nice flashlight. Good thing the power didn't go out last night, right? At our house, we would be in the dark. But I thought about that in a spiritual concept. You and I have the light of the gospel. And we need to be ready to shine that light. I wasn't ready to shine this light. I couldn't even find this light. But we're living in a day, we're living in a time where more and more with our families, with our friends, with our coworkers all around us, time is running out. The agenda against godliness is, is advancing. Where is our flashlight? Is that all right this morning? Where is our light? And I can't depend on Donna to find my gospel light for me. I must shine my own light. And I can't depend on another pastor somewhere. I have a lot of pastor friends and mentors and people that I learn from, but I cannot depend on them to shine my light for me. Can I get an amen this morning? You see, I didn't even know where the flashlight was. Well, then I got here and I'm walking in and I'm going downstairs to get my pot. We'll use the pot here in just a second. And I thought, well, I don't even know how to use this thing, this big fancy flashlight, if it really is a flashlight. And I started, you know, spinning this. Oh, well, that's not working. That's opening it up, and I was spinning that. I didn't know how to work the flashlight. And just before I came up here, I had an epiphany, 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 epiphany an insight. And you push it right here, and there it is. And there's the light. Let's shine the light. Right here. Wake up over there. I didn't know how to work the flashlight. So I had the light. I had the light, but I didn't know how to work the light. And this morning I asked us if we have the light of God's goodness and his salvation and his mercy that has shown upon our hearts and our lives. We have it. But do we know how to tell somebody else about it? Is that all right this morning? Do we know how to articulate it? Do we know how to share why we have so much love and hope and peace in our lives? Do we know how to tell someone how Jesus Christ has forgiven us from our sins because he's shined the light of salvation upon our lives? Or are we just, when somebody's talking to us and we know they need this light, are we fooling around and we're, we're going around in circles and we just don't know how to get it out? Do we know how to share the light? Of the gospel. Is that all right this morning? Because if we don't, we need to. I just want to be, I want to be honest this morning. I want to be honest with you. I've already told you I wish I was preaching in the 1980s, so I might as well just tell you everything. It's on my heart big time as I've been doing this series and as I've been seeing this world around. I want to know better how to communicate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I confess that to you as your pastor this morning? I want to know 
I look at those around and I see what they say. I see what they post. I see what their arguments are. And I think, God, how do we respond with love and with clarity? Is that okay this morning? That's my heart. I hope it's your heart. It better be our heartbeat. It better become our heartbeat because there are men and women and boys and girls who still can come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I am convinced that this can be the moment and this can be the time for God's people to really shine forth. Because yes, in some ways things are gonna get worse and worse. And yes, in some ways there are gonna be a lot of people who are rebelling against God, but there are still multitudes after multitudes of people and they're all around us in our communities who are searching and are confused. And if we can show them the light of the gospel, Jesus can change their life. That's our hope. That's our mandate. That's what is going to keep us from losing heart. We can still make a difference and our lights can still shine in this dark world. And the world needs the church now more than ever. Can I say that again? And that is why I'm not in the 1980s. And that is why you are not in the 1980s for such a time, I'm shining this all over you, for such a time as this, God has placed us here in the here and the now and we can make a difference. Look with me to the last slide this morning. Reclaim your life. Reclaim your life. And I thought about this pot. Let's read it. Second Corinthians, starting at verse seven. But we have this treasure in our earthly vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. I depressed you really good at the beginning because of the world we live in. But here's the good news. We can have the power of God in our earthen vessels. And we must have his power if we're going to survive and thrive. Verse 8. We are hard pressed on every side. Yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed. But we're not in despair We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. There's a little graphic, if they can hit that last slide for me that I had up about reclaiming our lives. And you see a little plant growing, and it's perplexed on each side. It's hard-pressed on each side. There's concrete. There's pavement on each side. Yet, somehow... It has popped up. And I walked out last night and I walked onto the little steps out back, the door of the entrance that I usually use. And on those bricks, lo and behold, I saw exactly the same thing right there. Somehow a little, it's probably a weed, I don't know, but it it, it inspired me today, I'll tell you that. It inspired me yesterday. Somehow it had grown up right between those bricks, just like this picture right here. And I said, well, I must be preaching about the right thing tomorrow. There's my confirmation right there on the bricks. 
on either side, every side, just like what we read about, yet it grew up and came. And I believe as Christians, that is a picture of where we are at. There are going to be resistances. There are going to be persecutions. There is an agenda on either side of us. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can grow up right in the middle of that. Why? Because we have the power of God in our earthly vessels. You got really afraid this morning when I brought a pot to the pulpit, didn't you? First you said he'll beat himself to death with that pot by the preacher. Then you thought I was gonna cook with you, didn't you? You thought cooking with Pastor Greg. Well, we might do that as an elective class one day. I don't know. Yeah, I do know we won't do that. (laughs) Some of you are like, "Mm, no. We have the joy. We have the privilege. We have the honor that in our earthly vessels, we have the power of God. Paul was using this as a picture to them, an illustration to them, and their vessels were clay vessels. I couldn't find any clay vessels downstairs, so I just had to use this one, but their vessels were clay vessels, and he was using this really in a couple of ways, I think, or we can take it a couple of ways. In that clay vessel, they might store valuables like jewelry or money or important documents, and they would store those in those vessels. But there were also times that they would use those vessels to store waste in. Charlotte, we were talking about that a little bit earlier this morning. They would store waste in those vessels. I'm talking about stinky waste in those vessels, not good stuff in those vessels. And I thought about our lives today, and I thought about our earthen vessels And I wanted to end with this. I wanted to ask us this question. What is it that we're storing in our earthly vessels? Are we letting the toxic world that we live in infiltrate what is coming onto the inside of our vessels? Are we letting sin influence us, compromise influence us, or are we just getting discouraged and disgusted because of everything that we have to deal with and everything that's happening? And is it going on the inside of us and are we keeping it pent up inside? Or are we over here saying, God, fill me with the treasure and the power of your presence and of your Holy Spirit. I want my vessel to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. How about you this morning? In a day and time that we live now more than ever, we need the Holy Spirit to be active in our vessels. We need to say, Holy Spirit, come and dwell in this earthly vessel and take our arms and wrap around like this and say, I don't want to let you go. Is that all right this morning? The Holy Spirit in our lives, in our earthly vessel, that treasure that we have, and it causes us to not lose heart. There's that little phrase. Paul started the chapter with it. He pretty much ends the chapter using that little phrase again, do not lose heart. And that's what I wanna tell you this morning before we pray, do not lose heart. This is our time. This is our moment. God is gonna save our children. God is gonna save our grandchildren. God is gonna save our great-grandchildren. God is gonna do great things in our church. God is gonna do great things in our lives in spite of all the toxicity that is in this world around us. Why? Because we have the treasure of his very presence in our vessel. 
And we've been praying for those things. We've been believing for those things and we're not going to lose heart. Can I get an amen this morning? We're not going to lose heart. Would you stand with me this morning? There was an old song they used to sing since I've been talking about the 1980s, I might as well throw it back a little bit here in closing. You remember that song they used to sing, I went to the enemy's camp, what'd they say? And I took back what he stole from me. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. They said, he's under my feet, he's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. Can I tell you this morning, that we can go to the enemy's camp and we can take back what he's stolen from us. And we can go out here into the enemy's camp and we can take some things back and take some people back for the glory of God. Wherever you are, take your light and shine it. You might be the only Christian in the institution, but shine your light and take your vessel being filled with the Holy Spirit and make a difference and let's go to the enemy's camp and let's take back what he's stolen from us. You say this morning, pastor, the enemy, I better put that down. The enemy has stolen some things in my family. The enemy is trying to steal some of my children or some of my grandchildren or some of my great-grandchildren. But I wanna tell us this morning, let's go back to the enemy's camp and take back what he's stolen from us. And let's believe that there is still power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And before you leave this house this morning, if that applies to you, say a prayer and believe it. Amen? Say a prayer and believe it. Call their name out to God in this place this morning. Stand on the word of God. Speak it out in faith and give them over to God and say, we're gonna take them back and we're gonna take back what the enemy has stolen from us. You know what I'm believing for? You know what I'm praying for? You know what I'm passionate about as as a congregation? I think you probably already know it. But we're praying for our what our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And that does not just include the small ones or the teenagers. I mean all of them. I mean the adults, the young adults, the the little bit older adults, even maybe the middle-aged ones that are part of the families of this church that need to come back home, that need to come back to Jesus Christ. We are praying for the generations of our church. Every Thursday, Pastor and Carol and a group of you come and you pray and you call out those names and you intercede. I believe that God is going to answer those prayers. Can I get a witness this morning? I believe that God is going to answer those prayers. So why don't we pray again this morning with faith believing and go to the enemy's camp, so to speak, and take back what he's stolen from us. God, help us to see it happen, see him come back to you. Bow your head, please. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we thank you for the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, that even in this world that is falling apart seemingly in every way, that we have this treasure on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit 
from heaven who is with us, guiding us, empowering us, motivating us, encouraging us, helping us. And we are going to stand and we are going to let our light shine. We're going to let our light shine in the classrooms and in the schools and in the government buildings and in the grocery stores and at Tuesday's table and all around the community and wherever we work in our office place, out on the job site, we are going to carry the presence of God with us because you are in us and we're going to shine our lights. And God, give us wisdom to be able to articulate this great gospel. Give us wisdom that we can speak to others. Give us wisdom to know how to say what you want us to say and to do what you want us to do. And Lord, we are praying for every child, every grandchild, every great-grandchild. You have given us a bold vision, a bold goal. God, a generational goal. We are praying for them to be saved gloriously saved and we are asking right now from the very youngest of them to the very oldest of them God I believe that there are senior citizens that are part of that group and there are, there are brand new babies that are part of that group and all in between and we are praying this morning that the Holy Spirit would go right where they are and begin a work in their hearts and in their lives and call them back God and Lord, let us pray and believe and pray and believe until we see it happen. A generational work in this church and through this church in every family, in every family, every child, every great, every grandchild, every great grandchild. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This altar is open this morning. If you want prayer or need to pray, pray and worship as they sing today.